Hey everyone, welcome back to another episode of Game Talk Radio. I'm Greg as always, and uh, today we've got a lot of little stuff, you know, like I always say back and forth. Some, some weeks we have like one or two big stories that I drag on and rant about forever, and then sometimes we have just uh, kind of rapid fire littles, as I call them, and uh, today, this week's one of those weeks. We have a lot of little stories we're going to cover, um, oh, and I just realized I did not pick up my game of the week ahead of time, so we're going <laughs> to have to bear with me when I do that later. Uh, and, uh, yeah, so it's been an interesting week, um, and the store's been a little crazy, so the, the podcast might be a little bit shorter than normal, depending on how much I rant on some of these littles, but we've just been getting some incredible trades in, and, uh, like, some of the pictures I've been putting on Twitter, if you don't, follow me on there, um, at drop rate Greg, hit me up there, because it has just been incredible, uh, the trades we've been getting, and, uh, like the, we had a huge Sega lot come through. I think today uh, we're gonna have an Xbox, like original Xbox and 360 lot come through. It's gonna be really some cool stuff, like a Steel Battalion stuff like that. And uh, and so anyway, though it's just been really fun at work. And uh, one of the things I want to talk about right away was that I got in a sealed five, excuse me, five sealed Game Gear games. Uh, game. Oh my God, I'm screwing this whole thing up. Five sealed Game Gear systems right? Sealed Game Gear games, that's not a big deal. Game Gear Systems, that's a pretty big deal. And kind of a weird story behind it, but the gentleman who sold them to us said he used to work at like a a shipping or distribution plant, and this, somehow this crate or this this package got destroyed, um, or damaged in shipping, I should say. And after being damaged, basically that distribution company had to pay whoever they bought it from for the package because it was damaged. So then they have all this merchandise that they can basically sell or they give to the staff or whatever. And they put it on their break room or they put it out and say, this is stuff you can buy. And someone bought a complete box of them. So a sealed case of six game gears and he would have had all six, except that they decided to open one and try them all out. (laughs) Um, And so he brought the rest to me. So I got in five sealed game gear systems and it was, uh, it was weird. Um, you never see anything like that. So I posted on Twitter and it got retweeted like a thousand times with like 6,000 likes, you know, and right as you thought it was going to die down, then some French site retweeted it. And it was just, uh, just incredible, uh, to, to see, come through the store, my little store here in Green Bay, Wisconsin, you know, to, to see that stuff come through. But, um, but anyway, so enough about that. Moving on the first story we want to talk about. The first story we're going to talk about is Bethesda makers of fallout and, and, uh, Skyrim, obviously, the Elder Scrolls games, you know, they, they're a publisher, you know, Wolfenstein, Doom, yada, yada. So they, and this is actually a little bit older news. So on June 22nd, there was an article that said Bethesda was suing Warner Brothers because Warner Brothers released a Westworld game, uh, which was basically a, a quote unquote blatant ripoff of Fallout Shelter. And so I didn't really report on the story at the time because I feel like I'm always talking about lawsuits on this podcast, but... Uh, so, so that was the announcement, and you look at it and you say, yes, absolutely. Um, it, it looks just like it. In fact, in the Westworld game, you make an underground base <laughs> that you, um, that you, uh, you know, you have resources and you have to like build it up, and make it bigger. I mean, it's just, it is a total ripoff of Westworld, of uh, excuse me, of Fallout Shelter, a Bethesda made game. Okay, whatever. It happens all the time. Ripoffs happen inspired by whatever. But it's, it got a little more interesting once you started to dig a little deeper. So here, obviously, here were some of the grievances. So initially, the uh, the grievances were, yes, that 
there are similar gameplay features, including cartoonish 2D characters in a 3D environment and the underground multi-room facilities that players explore and build in both Fallout Shelter and Westworld. So that was kind of the initial claim. And you're like, okay, well, it happens all the time, especially on the on the App Store. Obviously, in this case, a little different because it's two big companies doing it. Uh, so, however, what was interesting is that both games were made by the same company. So Bethesda didn't create this in-house. Warner Brothers didn't create this in-house. The game itself was made by a company called Behavior. Uh, and this is what Bethesda alleged that Behavior did. Quote, the same copyrighted computer code created for Fallout Shelter is in Westworld. Uh, end quote. So what they're and, and they 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 claim and this is true that there is a bug in Westworld that is the same bug that was in Fallout Shelter before being patched. So they have basically they're using pre-patched code and base code to build the Westworld game. <laughs> so uh, which is hilarious that they didn't know that that was a bug that they should have fixed or used later code that did fix it. Very strange. Going on to say that the bug evident in the early version of Fallout Shelter also appears in Westworld. Bethesda alleges the company's, quote, copied Fallout Shelter's features and then made cosmetic modifications for Westworld's Western theme, end quote. Uh, so normally I, I brush kind of these things off, but this one isn't just about it it copying or mimicking the game this is straight up stolen code so bethesda has a really strong argument here they go on to say quote behavior breached its contract with bethesda and utilized its restriction restricted access to bethesda's intellectual property including bethesda's copyrighted code trade secrets and other rights to compress its development timeline reduce costs and to quickly bring the westworld game mo the westworld mobile game to market and offer players the widely popular gameplay experience found in fallout shelter so end quote so what bethesda is arguing there is that because they had the base code and they had worked on the game before they were able to they were able to more quickly produce their game since they didn't have to do initial prototyping and things like that. They already had their game laid out. Now, normally, again, if Behavior did this, it would be common if they had built their own engine and they use that engine for Fallout Shelter and then they get licensed to use their engine for Westworld. However, Bethesda's claiming that all of that code made for that game does belong to them. So none of that code should have been reused. It wasn't up to the to Behavior to use that code it wasn't theirs to use basically um and then they go on to of course uh, once again say quote cartoonish 2d characters in a 3d environment end quote and there's an underground multi-room facility that players explore and build which is obviously exactly fallout shelter um so bethesda is suing for copyright infringement breach of contract and misappropriating trade secrets the publisher is seeking a jury trial and damages so the reason I'm kind of talking about it now, since this is over a week old, is because Warner Brothers finally had an update. Because the the interesting thing is that, if, if I'm understanding this correctly, Bethesda is suing Warner Brothers. Bethesda is not suing Behavior. Now, Warner Brothers may not have known, to be quite honest. They might have said, hey, you know, we like this Fallout Shelter game. It's successful. You know, you worked on that. Can you work on this Westworld game and just do the same thing? And behavior might have been the ones who said, okay, well, we've already got the game, the back end, like the, the, the skeleton is built. We just put a new skin on it and we're good to go. We can churn it out for a quick money from Warner Brothers. Now that's possible. Uh, however, um, 
This is what uh, the Warner Brothers update said. Quote, as one of the world's leading creators of intellectual property, including the groundbreaking television series Westworld, I, I always love that. I guess I was like, I always love when they take this time when they're making a statement to like humble brag about their own product. So as the world's leading creator of intellectual property, including the groundbreaking television series Westworld, Warner Brothers has a deep respect for intellectual property rights. As such, the assertions by Bethesda Softworks that Warner's Westworld mobile game improperly used code from Bethesda's Fallout Shelter are as surprising as they are unsubstantiated. Warner Brothers has been assured by the game developer, Behavior Interactive, that Bethesda's allegations are untrue and that none of Bethesda's code was used in the Westworld game. Moreover, contrary to Bethesda's baseless accusation, Warner Brothers at no time induced Behavior to use the Fallout Shelter code in Westworld. So that that also added an extra thing. So part of what Warner Brothers or part of what Bethesda is claiming is that Warner Brothers basically told Behavior to do that. So that would be a bigger deal. That would make Warner Brothers culpable in this lawsuit. However, if they didn't do that, then obviously, not that they're not responsible for damages if this happened, but you think the responsibility would fall on behavior. Most likely what would happen is then Warner Brothers would sue behavior, you know, as opposed to um, them being like, like letting, letting Bethesda sue them and then them suing the company that essentially had them lose. Uh, but to be honest, behavior is probably a small studio with not a lot of money. So it's not like Warner Brothers is going to get anything out of here, which might be why Bethesda also sued them because they might know that they can't get damages out of not the IP holder. Right. So, you know, a lot, a lot of stuff going on. So again, not just your typical case of copy paste, you know, it, it actually was a little deeper than that as far as, where the code goes. And this kind of led into my next story, which was PUBG Corp officially dropping its lawsuit against Epic Games. So now a while ago, I mean, I talked about this a long time ago that, that Epic was suing, or excuse me, that PUBG Corp. So we'll just call them PUBG going forward. The, the creators of player unknowns battlegrounds that they have been suing or that they uh, brought a pot of loose uh, lawsuit uh, against uh, Fortnite uh, creators Epic. So part of the reason, though, for that lawsuit as well was, well, let me start this over. So Epic Games, the creators of Fortnite, they decided that they wanted to, um, you know, they license out their engine. Okay, that that's that's the first part to know about this. The pu PUBG runs on the Fortnite. <laughs> I am just botching this all over the place, guys. I am so sorry. So I'm actually going to turn this back around and I'm going to, I'm going to chuck this back into YouTube form. So I'm doing again, my hot takes like I did the other week where I kept screwing up the stupid intro. This story we want to talk about was how Epic Games, the creators of Fortnite are being sued by PUBG Corp, the makers of PlayerUnknown's Battlegrounds. So what we do know is that uh, and this is the news that came out recently, uh, this was just a few days ago, that PUBG Corp has dropped the lawsuit. So we don't know why they dropped the lawsuit. Nothing has been said. We don't know if there was some sort of settlement agreed upon there. We don't know if, if um, you know, they knew that their case was so flimsy or they didn't know if it was going to get thrown out. So all we know is it's over. So there's no longer a lawsuit where PUBG Corp is suing Epic Games over Fortnite. But a little backstory about this story, if, if you hadn't heard my other videos about this in the past, was that there actually, in my opinion, seemed to be a little bit of basis for this lawsuit. 
again, like the last story we talked about, it wasn't just this case of we made a game first and then you made a game that's like ours and we're and you you know and you stole our idea. There's a little bit of that in there, but more so this this gets a little more uh, frustrating because the Epic Epic Games, the licensor of the Unreal Engine, licensed that engine to PUBG. Um, so what PUBG is arguing is that when they were working on their game, they were talking with Epic about the Unreal Engine. They were getting tech support on the engine. They were using like they had insider information that they were talking back and forth about how this game would work and how well it would work on the Unreal Engine. What they're claiming is that Epic took that information and was able to make their uh battle royale game Fortnite, and get a lot you know speed everything up because they already had one hand up on the competition they knew all these sort of things they helped another company figure it out so now they could do it themselves and that actually in my opinion is sort of a valid argument if that's what happened now i don't know how large epic is at the point where if their tech support people would take all this info that tech support learned and then run it upstairs to the design guys and say hey guys i got all these you know here's i don't i don't know if that's how it works i don't know if when you call for tech support on the engine if you actually talk to some developers sometimes from epic games or if you're only talking to a specific group of people that are just there for the unreal engine tech support or whatever so there was a little bit of basis. Now, like I said, the story headline is just that they dropped the lawsuit, so it's over. No more lawsuit. That's a good thing, I think. But we also have to look deeper into it. So why could it have been released? Um, why would the lawsuit could have been uh, stopped? Because it was stopped by the PUBG Corp. They rescinded the lawsuit. One is that they came to a settlement. Sometimes uh, out-of-court settlements happen, uh, and they'll they'll come to a thing saying, you know, we're sorry, we'll give you this X amount of money. Just drop the lawsuit, and we're done. So that happens. That's common. I don't think that necessarily happened here because I think that the PUBG Corp would have wanted to talk about that a little bit because they would want to know that they were justified. They would want to know that they were right. And so I don't think that's what happened. However, and I, I mentioned this a couple uh, a couple of videos ago, but there's a Chinese investment group called Tencent Holdings. These guys actually own stake in both companies so they have a stake in epic games and they have a stake in PUBG corp so it wouldn't uh it wouldn't surprise me if the investment group stepped in and said listen only people making money on this deal are going to be the lawyers stop it because if this money just transfers money to this company it's still all of our money and all you're doing is paying these lawyers on both sides to argue your case so it is, uh, it is totally possible that's what happened. And who knows, maybe something else came in where they said, you know, maybe, and this could be the third option, maybe Epic threatened to pull their license for the uh, for, for their game. Now, uh, as far as my understanding of licenses work, once you're licensed in an engine, you can't pull that license and let them stop making that game. But they could pull that license from any future updates. They could pull that license from any future versions of the game. Say they want to do PUBG 2 or whatever, like they could do that. And so it wouldn't surprise me if, you know, Epic said, listen, this isn't a good idea. Don't come after us. You know, don't, you know, we, we own the rights to your engine. You know, we're, you know, we take care of this business. We, we are technically connected. Let's not have this lawsuit. And, and again, maybe that's what happened. And then coupled with the fact that they thought their case was a little flimsy, maybe that all kind of came together and, you know, is what, is what kind of led to, uh, the whole lawsuit just being stopped. So headline, uh, lawsuit dropped PUBG Corp, no longer suing Epic Games over Fortnite infringement. We don't know why, and hopefully we'll find out soon. So then uh, th this next story 
kind of, uh, it's been slow brewing, I guess you would say. So the headline is that Uncharted director, creator, excuse me, Uncharted creator Amy Hedig uh, has left EA and her Star Wars game is, quote, on the shelf, end quote. Uh, this one I found very interesting because we knew that Visceral Games shut down last October. Visceral was, uh, they were working on a new Star Wars game. And uh, they had in the past had done things like Dead Space. Before that, they had announced that Amy Hedig was going to be working at Visceral on a new Star Wars game. Hype was pretty much through the level. This was a single-player narrative-driven Star Wars game, one that we haven't seen in quite a while. So I thought it was going to be pretty good. And then uh, we recently heard, and, and this was news that uh, we talked about a couple weeks ago, I think, was that Amy Hedig had left EA to work on her own indie studio focusing on vr games and stuff like that and you're like oh okay well, well that makes sense except with that came some interesting tidbits about what really happened so like as we know the timeline is that last october ea shut down visceral uh and then in january let's see where it was here so uh they were asked an executive was asked um about it and it said uh let's see here i want to see if i get this quote right because i had it up um Okay, so here's what it was. Uh, when when the EA executives were asked about it, where it said, is, is Amy Hennig working with you? The answer was, well, we're in negotiations with, um, with between EA and Amy Hennig at this time. So that was kind of what happens when a studio shut to, uh, shuts down. When you have a company like EA that has just tons of studios all over the place. So what will happen in that is they'll take all their the, um, all their creative talent and all their staff and they'll redistribute them to different studios. So my guess was that they were going to relocate her and she didn't want to relocate. So they were, quote unquote, negotiating that, right? So then, uh, though, as they're talking, so this, this interview was very recently, and this was at the Game Lab conference in Barcelona, she revealed to Eurogamer, that she had actually parted with EA as of January of this year and was in the process of starting up her new independent studio, but had not yet had the chance to announce the change or set the record straight. So I don't know if that was some sort of, I don't know if that was some sort of uh, legal document that she had to sign some sort of like, you know, no talking agreement, some sort of NDA or something that she had to sign basically saying she wouldn't talk about her departure from EA, which is very strange because even in interviews in the last few months, she's been saying things like, Oh, you know, uh, you know, I'm still, I'm, I'm still, you know, helping out. I'm still working on these things or whatever. And the star Wars game she was working on, as she said, has been shelved, but also I think this ties to that other story that we knew, which was that development had been pivoted to EA Vancouver. That's what the EA bosses were saying. So they're going from a studio that worked, that was going to solely be working on single player experiences and switch that over to a studio. And they wanted to talk about how they wanted to make it more of a games as a service. So they wanted to make it less like Uncharted, more like Destiny you know, something like that, where it'll have single player, you'll be able to play by yourself, but it's going to have this Anthem slash Destiny slash The Division slash, you know, all those kind of games where you, you've got this, you have to play it multiplayer. And, and so, and I shouldn't say multiplayer necessarily, but you have to play it online. Like it's going to be an online game with random loot crates or whatever, you know. I, I think what frustrates me the most, and this is most likely why she left, was because why would you bring her on as the head of Visceral 
and not have an expert. This is someone who helped create the Uncharted series. Why would you not expect her to make another great single player narrative driven experience? Like, what was your expectation? You were going to bring her in and she was going to be super excited to make a, a destiny type game or an anthem type game like is that really what you thought you know you bring her on let her do her thing make just an incredible single player star wars game and and i saw this on reddit the other day and i don't have it up to show you guys unfortunately but there was you know someone had basically brought up a timeline of the ea games that the ea star wars games that they've made since they've had the exclusive rights if you don't know this Electronic Arts has the exclusive rights to Star Wars, so they're the only company that can make Star Wars games, unless they, like, license it out. And so, I, and I think when they were looking it up, and the only Star Wars games they've come out with were Battlefront and Battlefront 2 so far. Just terrible. I mean, and, and, and Battlefront was a fun shooter, but it was just, I mean, essentially it was modeless because it was everything that... uh it was everything that, what do I want to say? Like, it had to come out for the movie. That's what I'm trying to say. So it, it it wasn't everything it could be because it was trying to come out in time for the movie, Episode 7. Well, then Battlefront 2 comes out. They obviously have more time to work on it. They add a single-player campaign that's actually pretty decent. You know, they have a lot of fun stuff there, but it's not... And then, and then that's when the loot box controversy that we talked about last year comes up. So then all of a sudden they throw in this ridiculous loot box system knowing they can do it because it's a Star Wars game and people are going to pay for a star wars game no matter what garbage you put into it now we did do a very good job of the backlash with that though because those sales were hurt immensely by that ea took notice about not only the bad press but also the amount of sales they lost on that game now by all numbers star wars battlefront 2 was still a financial success however could you imagine how big that game would be if it hadn't had all that nonsense and it hadn't had all that backlash it's a really interesting question to ponder it's you can't quantify negatives you can't quantify potential loss really you can guess but you can't really understand it you know and that's that's something that they'll always i'm sure wonder what what could have been you know i still sell tons of copies of the original star wars battlefront 2 for original xbox and for ps2 those games still sell a ton this game could have been immortalized like that if they had tried not to just make it some ridiculous cash grab with loot boxes but anyway so the end of that story really was just amy hennig was working at EA, was working on a new single-player Star Wars game, looked incredible from the from the concept art. I mean, with her writing, it could have been excellent. They scrapped that game. They've moved it to EA Vancouver. They've pivoted the game to change how it's going to be, and she no longer works at EA. And I'm also sad to report that she really wants to get into VR gaming. Not that I have a problem with VR gaming necessarily, but I don't know if she'll be able to use that same sense of immersion in a VR game, uh, but maybe she's going to try. And so I'll pretty much try anything she does. Uh, her writing was always very good to me, and I always enjoyed um, her products, you know, her work that she's put out. So this next story, uh, we're going back to Bethesda again. Hey, everybody, uh, Bethesda's in the news again. Uh, but this also brings up a story we've been talking about for a while, which is the crossplay issue. So as you all know by now, if you haven't heard, if you've been living under a rock, uh, PlayStation 4 doesn't play nice crossplay. In fact, uh, it doesn't enable crossplay with any of its competing systems, being the Xbox and the Switch. It is always compatible. Well, not always, but it is uh, crossplay with PC, Android, and other devices, depending on the game you play. So it's not that Sony's against crossplay. 
Sony's against crossplay with its console competitors. Uh, and and the, it most glaringly came up when they announced Fortnite for the Switch. And when people went to log into their accounts on the Switch, they found that they were locked out of their account because they had already linked their PlayStation 4 uh, to their Epic account. So that was like a kind of another level of the crap was that they couldn't access the items. Not saying that they wanted to play with people on other consoles, but they couldn't even access their items from their main account. Their main account was specifically locked to their PS4. And, and uh, as I said in the video before, it is very anti-consumer. It, I'm the first one to say that it's anti-consumer. It's not good for us as customers. We want more freedom to do what we want. But I explained in that video as well is that it makes sense from a business perspective. When you're the dominant hardware manufacturer, you want to do everything in your power to make people buy your hardware. If more people are buying Fortnite on your system than on the Xbox, why would you make crossplay available so that more people can buy Xboxes and still play? You want people to say, oh, you know what? I've, I want to buy a PS4 and Xbox. Most of my friends have PS4. I'm going to go PS4. And I have this conversation almost daily at my store. Someone will come in and say, what should I buy, the Xbox One or the PS4? And I, of course, give my personal preference. I say, you know, I'm more of a Sony guy, but you know, here's what's on Xbox, here's what's on Sony, you have to decide. But one of the first things I always bring up is, well, what, do you, what are their friends playing? Or what do your friends play on? Like, oh, my friends all have Xboxes. Well, then I think you should buy an Xbox because you want to make sure that you can play with all your friends. Uh, now, in a perfect world in the future, I would love to see cross-play amongst all consoles. So if I have a PS4 and my brother's got an Xbox One, we can just play games together because it's all server-side, which is becoming more of a realistic possibility as we essentially will get rid of hardware in our living rooms and we just go to a kind of an all-streaming sort of service, you know, in the next decade or two. I could see that. But it's a question I have to ask people all the time. So it makes sense why Sony would say, well, we're not going to let people cross-play with Xbox because we want them to say, well, my friends have PS4, so I'm buying a PS4. It just makes sense. Now, do I have a problem with people in being in an uproar about it? No, I don't. Uh, the only thing I have a problem with is when people act like they don't understand it. When it's quite obvious, it's about money. And and then when they come out and like an ex-Sony dev came or a Sony studio head came out a couple weeks ago and said, oh, he knows why it is and it's because of money. People were like, oh. Oh, how oh Sony, how dare you? It's oh, it's always about money. It's like yes, of course it's about money. They're a business. Like it's what I always talk about, right? It's all about the it's all about the equation. So over here we have the the number of money you might lose by getting bad press, and over here you have the amount of money you're going to earn by people only buying PlayStation products. So right now it's way up here, and this money you're losing from bad bad press is way down here. They don't. I mean, it's not that they don't care. It's just that it's not as important as the money they're making from having exclusive deals. And they're even coming out with an exclusive Fortnite console, which is funny because people online are so quick to jump on and say, oh, Sony, look, Sony, why even do this? This is so stupid. It's a bundle with a PS4 and Fortnite. Now, Fortnite Battle Royale is a free game, so you don't need to make a console bundle. But it's a marketing decision. How can you not understand why Sony would want to make a Fortnite-branded PlayStation? It makes total sense. Fortnite is like the like, stupidly biggest game in the whole world right now. Like it's just, it's just dumb how gigantic it got. And so, of course, you'd want to have things. Just like Microsoft did a PUBG Xbox so that they could brag about being the first console to have PUBG on it. You know what I mean? So it's And they did a Minecraft bundle you know, because people love Minecraft and they wanted to sell more systems. It's just it's like 
I don't care that people have an issue with Sony over crossplay. I just care that people like don't think about why and just make like a rational decision. They act like Sony's just being a bunch of jerks. <laughs> it's like, well, it's, they're not being jerks. They're just, it's business, you know? Like, why don't people get that, right? So anyway, don't have a problem with people complaining. Only thing I have a problem with is people being ridiculous about those complaints. Um, however, if you want things to change, you have to be vocal about it, right? So if a bunch of people are vocal about this, just like they were vocal about backwards compatibility, that might be something that with the PlayStation 5 we see. If the PlayStation 5 plays PlayStation 4 games like it should, I'll be so incredibly happy because that means Sony listened and Sony wants to continue their dominance. It's also a smart move with a new console because it takes a few years for a console to really get its stride nowadays because it takes so much time to make these games. But so backwards compatibility helps you play those games on the new hardware. You still get people to adopt the new hardware, but then you get them still buying the old games. It, it makes sense, um, actually more sense in the short term than in the long term, but it, it makes sense. So after that long-winded introduction to what I'm going to talk about today, there was kind of a new turn. So besides um, other people that have talked about it, most recently Bethesda, more specifically Todd Howard, who's the face of the company right now, and he was the one who did the Bethesda um, you know, E3 press conference and everything. So he came out recently and he was interviewed and he, uh, he explained in regards to fallout 76 quote, we would love cross platform with fallout 76, but right now we can't. Sony is not as helpful as everyone would like, but we'll see what happens in the future. End quote. And then to reiterate PC and Xbox one can play together. Now, I don't know if that means that X that PC and PS4 can also play together. I'm not sure. But as of right now, PS4 and Xbox One will not be able to play together because of Sony. So the good thing about this for people who want cross-play enabled, and I do think it's something that we will get eventually, and I want it. I'll be the first to say it. I think you should be able to. I think it's kind of crappy to the consumer to not do it. But again, I understand why they're doing it. Um, however, the more people that push back, especially developers, Todd Howard, Bethesda, that's a big deal. If these guys start railing on Sony and you have, you know, Epic railing on Sony and you get these big companies along with the fan base, then you start to see those scales tip a little bit, right? Then you start to see, well, we're still making some good money, but now we're losing more money because these people, you know, they're, they're upset and, you know, we're getting bad press all the time. And it's been a year of just trying to spin, spin, spin. And so that can change. And I'm totally okay with being vocal for things that you're passionate about and trying to get them changed. Just don't be so opinionated and don't take things so personally with that passion. Like understand why it's happening. It's not like there's someone at Sony being like, you know what? I hate Xbox so much. We're not going to let people cross play <laughs> or, or, you know, what? we're going to lock people out of their accounts so they can't play with all that stuff they bought on the switch because we're Sony and we're jerks. <laughs> it's like, it's, it's not, there's not some dude cackling, you know, uh, next to a fireplace. It just, it's just, while stroking his cat, you know, it's not some evil, you know, monster here. It's just a business decision, right? And so when I see articles like this with a headline, now to be fair, it's an opinion piece, but it's on Polygon, which Polygon is notoriously uh, pro Microsoft. They're less fans of Sony typically in their opinion pieces. So this headline, how much is Sony willing to get hurt to keep people apart? Like that's such a like such a crappy narrative because that's just not even the argument right here. The the real headline should be how much damage or how much damage is Sony willing to take to make profit on being exclusive console holder rights or what or, or being the top console manufacturer. So what how much bad press is Sony willing to take to be king of the hill? 
you know, and is it a scorched earth approach? Is this a short term thought where maybe in the next generation of consoles, if it's closer, will people remember this and be like, you know what? I didn't like Sony not doing crossplay. Um, you know, us gamers have a very, very short memory. Uh, people who read gaming news and people who complain about games on Twitter, have a very, very short memory, you know? So if PlayStation five comes out and it plays PS4 games and it's crossplay with all the consoles, no one will care that the PS4 was not. No one will care that their Epic accounts were locked to their PS4. That that won't matter anymore if they make the right decisions going forward. So all of this backlash is a good thing until I see articles like this. And so this is just kind of the same thing. You know, they talked about the Todd Howard article. And yes, most recently, this little video here in the middle was a really neat cross thing with Xbox and Switch people playing Minecraft together. I love it. I really wish Sony was in on this because this could be kind of like this defining moment where all the game companies come together and talk about all the amazing things they're going to do together. But that wouldn't happen. They wouldn't have made this video if Sony played crossplay because there would be no crossplay issue and there wouldn't be this video. This video was made because Sony doesn't allow crossplay. And you know what? That's fine because when the PS4 was coming out and the Xbox One were coming out and Xbox One talked about how it had this really convoluted system of loaning digital games to your friends and you couldn't, you know, sell, you couldn't put used games in your Xbox and it was a big, big pile. Sony also came out with these like taking cheap shots at your video where they had this video of the two Sony execs and they said, here's how you, here's how you lend games to your friends on the PlayStation. He turns and he hands the game to the other executive. And it's really funny. And that video only existed because Microsoft chose that as their initial like launch strategy. They obviously didn't go through with that, but that was their initial idea. Same thing with this video. This video is ingenious marketing by those two to try to put pressure on Sony and to make them look like the good guys make Sony look like the big bad wolf. So again, no problem. That makes sense too. Like there's no reason to get mad at Microsoft and Nintendo for taking pot shots. Like Sony's leaving themselves wide open for it. So they'd be silly not to take advantage of it. Plus they're doing it in a respectful way, which I appreciate. So as we're going down though, so then, and this is just one example of the millions of tweets I'm sure that are out there. I've seen so many tweets that it just kind of bugs me, but this one specifically bugged me. So this is Greg Miller. This is game over Greg. Okay. This guy has like 1.3 million followers on Twitter. This guy knows his stuff. Okay. This guy knows the industry. He knows what he's talking about. This is somebody I respect and somebody whose opinion I respect. However, look at this tweet from January, uh, excuse me, from June 18th. Today I bought Fortnite Battle Pass on my Switch. I linked my Twitch Prime and my Xbox Live to this account. This makes my throwaway Epics game account my main account. I don't understand your strategy, PlayStation. Again, how do you not understand the strategy? The strategy is clear. Their market leader, they're holding on to their market leadership. Now, what's funny is as this as the scales start to turn, if Sony's paying attention, they're going to be the heroes by being like, and they're gonna make a big announcement how we've, you know, you asked for it, we've got it, you know, cross plays coming, and then they'll do a big promotional thing with like Epic or with, you know, even with Microsoft on Minecraft to be like, you know, they could even make this like a two battling sides have come together for the gamers for you and make this big marketing push. That's how to probably you. But again, someone who understands the industry, somebody who knows what's going on, I don't understand your strategy, PlayStation. How do you how do you not? How do you not understand his strategy? I, I mean, that's, you know, the strategy, he's smart enough to know that. But part of this, and again, I don't mind people being vocal. In fact, I'm fine with it. Part of the issue I have though, is why does, why do we have to tweet out almost like this, this faux outrage, right? Like just, just come out and say, 
you know what? I, I don't like that you're doing this. I'm against it. I understand it's about money, but it's not good for your fans. Take care, better care of your fans. That would, that would leave the same thing. Saying, I don't understand your strategy, PlayStation makes you sound like you don't know what you're talking about. It's very clear why they're doing this. And again, do I agree with it? I understand it. I don't like it. <laughs> and I'm not a fan of it. Is it anti-consumer? Absolutely. But most companies do anti-consumer things. You know, why, why did Nintendo, when you bought Wii Virtual Console games, why could you not transfer those to your Wii U? Why'd you have to buy the games all over again? And then buy the games again on 3DS. That makes no sense. But that's that's what they did. That's how their system worked. Didn't like it then. Don't Don't like it now. So anyway, really, it's... The, the, the headline of the story was just us wanting to talk about Todd Howard is, an, is, is the newest one to kind of pile on Sony with this. And I hope that that pressure does lead to Sony finally ending this ban on crossplay with the other consoles. Because I do think it's time. And, you know, and I'll, I'll say it again. If you're passionate about something, you really believe in this, do it. Tweet about it. Talk about it. But be educated, please. You know, have a, have an educated opinion. Don't just go out there and start spewing like, oh, this is bullcrap. Sony's the devil. This is bull I mean, It's just stupid. Like, be smart, right? Understand why they're doing it and then uh, protest against it. And as I said last week on the podcast, I did want to have the more uplifting stories, right? So last week I talked about the Xbox controller, the, the unique one that's being made for uh, gamers that have disabilities for them to be able to fully customize their experience. And this week, you know, I'm going to go out and I'm going to say I have two this week. The first one isn't as uplifting as a second, but it's still a neat thing for a lot of you out there. The NES classic is officially being reprinted. It is back in stores. It came out on Friday again and they loaded stores up with a first shipment. So, uh, I actually went and got another controller. That's all I really wanted. I didn't want the stupid, uh, I didn't want the NES Classic. I've had one since day one, but I wanted an extra controller so I could play two players. And those official brand ones were really, really hard to get. And then I have it sitting over there in my stack. Um, so it's finally back out. Don't pay scalpers more than retail price. Retail price is $59.99 for NES Classic and 30 games. It is. It has been everywhere. It came out Friday, and I was seeing things on Facebook as late as Sunday afternoon, people saying that there were still some on store shelves, which actually I'm going to get into a little bit as a good and bad thing, but it's mostly good for people trying to get it right away. Uh, I know you can order on Best Buy and GameStop right now for a guaranteed delivery of around the middle of July. So that's very cool. That tells me that they already have a second shipment coming from Nintendo, and that's great. Now, the only downside to them being on the shelf still, like say I walk into Target today and I would see some on the shelf, that could be a bad thing. And, and the reason I say that is because part of the reason that there's shortage issues with certain items is because Nintendo doesn't like products sitting on the shelf. They'd rather not sell a couple thousand copies because they didn't have enough made then have a couple thousand copies sitting, uh, sitting on the shelf, <laughs> sitting on the shelf because they made too many. And now you can argue that strategy. Uh, it's always been Nintendo strategy since like forever. So it is what it is, but I really hope that they don't look at this first weekend sales and then say, Oh yeah, let's scale back production. Part of the issue is that people don't know it's out again. People have been stopping in my store asking if we have them. And I'm like, oh, they just got re-released. No, we don't carry new stuff like that. But you can find it at Best Buy, Target, Walmart, GameStop. Hit them up. You'll get one. And and then people are like, oh, they're back out now. I'm like, yes, don't go. Don't don't don't, don't pay the scalpers 200 bucks. Don't don't do that. Just wait. You'll find one in the stores. And I, I believe that they've already confirmed that that um, stocking will take place at least through the end of the year. 
So they already had their initial stock of NES classics, and now we're back to the uh, second shipment being released. So uh, this is something we reported back on, I think it was last January or uh, last November, that uh, Reggie came out and said that they were going to come back into production in summer of 2018. And we're here, and it finally came out. So last Friday, if you still haven't got an NES classic, you will be able to get one. If you go out today looking everywhere and you don't find one, do not fret. Just keep an eye out. You will get one, and uh, and don't overpay. Don't don't go to a used store that might still have their old used one stickered high because that's what they paid for it before they got re-released. Don't do any of that stuff. Just uh, just keep your eyes open, your ears to the ground, and you will and you will get one. And then moving into the second more important uplifting story. This is an actual uplifting story. I mean, the NES Classic one was more of a yay us. This is more of a yay yay everyone. Uh, so, uh, summer games done quick. If you don't know, is a speedrunning event uh, by AGDQ, which stands for Awesome Games Done Quick, and or Games Done Quick. I can't remember what the actual company's called anymore, but it doesn't matter. They do a bunch of events throughout the year where they do speedruns. So they live stream the whole thing. It's this huge event. People sometimes compete. They'll have you know four people playing Super Metroid side by side, and they're racing through the game to see who gets through it first. Um, and then they'll do things like they have special events like, oh, who can beat Mario one the fastest one handed. And then they have like glitch runs, no glitch runs, you know, tool assisted runs, all that stuff. But the whole point of it is to raise money for charity. And that's what I love so much about this. Um, I did an event. I do, um, a 24 hour live stream last year. I did, I'm going to do it again this year. Uh, where I raised money for the Children's Hospital of Wisconsin, and I raised like 2600 bucks. I was so happy and so proud of that. Just me by myself. Very happy. And then the store, like I tied into the store. The store donated 10% of its sales that day. Like we had, we had a big thing. Um, and then, you know, so as, as a comparison, I was very happy about that. The speedrunning event, this takes place in Minnesota, it raised a total of $2,122,229 so the last uh and apparently they beat last year's total by four hundred thousand dollars in donations i mean that's so awesome right so this is one of those great things where and this is you know i'll get to that in a second this is one of the great things that just makes me really happy to be part of this industry not just selling games not just talking about games playing games like knowing that there's this 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 real sense of community here because what frustrates me oftentimes when we see all these articles about oh violent games being blamed on school shootings and oh the president wants to watch videos on violent games and all this nonsense you know it's like i'm so sick of everyone focusing on the negative and not focusing on the positive this is a positive this is so awesome summer games done quick uh just an incredible incredible uh, organization uh i th i've been thinking about it and i really think i'm going to try to start um speedrunning double dragon 3 for the nes it is one of my favorite NES games, even though I know it's not that great. It's one of my favorites and I've played it a lot and I'm pretty good at it. And I actually played it on the 24 hour live stream last year and beat it in about a half hour. And the speed run record, as far as I could find on YouTube uploads was about 21 minutes. So I actually, and I died in my 30 minute run, like with all my characters. So I think if I got faster, I very much think I could cut that down. So it might be fun. So who knows? Uh, if I do that, though, I'm going to really start practicing and just playing it like nonstop. <laughs> so, uh, but I think that'd be a lot of fun. Maybe I'll do videos of that or I'll do some live streams maybe. Just me, just double dragon three, just running through it. Um, but, uh, but just an awesome story. Uh, it is uh, the, uh, the charity they raise money for is uh, Doctors Without Borders. Uh, and some of the games they spree, uh, speed ran this year were Resident Evil 4, Kingdom Hearts, Half-Life, uh, Super Metroid, Metal Gear Solid, Shantae, Mega Man 8, One-Handed Super Mario, like I mentioned earlier, 
and uh, yeah, it's it just really nice to see, you know. And and uh, the next event is January sixth through the thirteenth, and that's in uh, Rockville, and that's going to be awesome games done quick. January sixth through the thirteenth, so that's the next event. Uh, always keep an eye out and. Um, you know, for the streams, if nothing else, even watching the streams and sharing them, that helps too. Even if you're un unable to donate money, making people aware that might be able to donate money, that helps a lot too. And then um, obviously come November, I plan on doing my 24-hour live stream again. So that should be a good time. And that's it. That's all we got for today. That is the uh, that is the podcast. Uh, we are, let's see what we're going to talk about today. This is, uh, you know what, let's talk about... God, I feel like a lot of these I've already talked about, and so now I feel like crappy because I feel like I'm going to talk about a game, and you guys can be like, oh, you talked about that one like six months ago, and I won't remember. Um, let's see. Uh, let's talk about Castlevania Bloodlines. So if I haven't talked about this game yet, I should have because it's awesome. Castlevania Bloodlines. This is one of the best. Oh, that's Contra Hardcore. What am I doing? I literally grabbed the box for Contra Hardcore. Castlevania Bloodlines, which... So, when I... Back in the day, when I would put emulators on whatever it was, whether it was my Dreamcast or on my computer in the early days, on my phone, putting on... The, whenever I had a Genesis emulator, I always had uh, four games. It was Castlevania Bloodlines, it was Contra Hardcore, it was Fantasy Star 4, and it was Splatterhouse 3. Those four games were like the four games I'd always download and play like every, every single time that I would get a Genesis emulator. Castlevania Bloodlines, um, in my opinion, blows out of the water Super Castlevania 4. Now, everybody who had a Super Nintendo growing up acts like Super Castlevania 4 is like their greatest Castlevania game ever. I don't get it. Not that I don't like that game. I do love the music, but I actually think it's kind of janky and the controls aren't great and your character's way out of proportion. Um, as opposed to a game like, uh, Bloodlines, let's see if I can get it closer here. So uh, Bloodlines actually had you choosing between two different characters. One has a whip, like you'd expect, and the other has a javelin. So you got to a little bit of variety. And just the levels and the music, like it felt more like a traditional Castlevania game, like more of the progression from Castlevania 3. A little bit of regression, I guess, with not having characters that felt very different. But it was just a solid Castlevania game. Great music, great level design, great bosses. As opposed to Super Castlevania 4, which is essentially a remake. And then they added like the whip thing where you just like dangle it around. It's just, you know, I don't know. It, it wasn't, it wasn't as great as I wanted it to be. Bloodlines, however, filled that gap for me. So incredible game. Uh, definitely one of the best on the Genesis. Definitely, definitely check it out. Good bosses, good music, good gameplay. Pick between two characters and it's awesome. So uh, Castlevania Bloodlines, go play it. If you for some reason haven't or you haven't ever seen it before, definitely go play it. And uh, thank you, everybody, as always, for watching. If you're watching this on YouTube, you can always, um, and you prefer to listen to it in podcast form, you can listen to us on iTunes or on SoundCloud. If you're listening to us uh, as a podcast on iTunes or on SoundCloud, I would really appreciate if you'd hop over to our YouTube channel and give us a subscribe there, maybe check out some of the video content. Uh, you can also watch a lot of the clips from the podcast in video form as opposed to hearing it audio only. Uh, if you go to droprate.life or if you... Uh, just go to YouTube and search for the drop rate. You can uh, subscribe to us there. Also, we're on Twitch at the drop rate, so you can uh, you can follow us on Twitch as well. 
Uh, and then lastly, like you can kind of see in this little picture here, or if, if you can't because you're online uh, listening to us audio only, you can follow me on Twitter at DropRateGreg. I told that story earlier today about the game gears. If you want to see more awesome stuff that gets traded at my store, and every now and then me being a little bit of a cynic when it comes to video game news, you can follow me on Twitter. Uh, I'm almost to 1,000 followers. I'm very happy about that, actually. The game gear post got me like 400 new followers. Very awesome. So thank you, everybody, as always, for listening. Thank you, anybody who was watching. I really, really appreciate it. And you can always tweet at me any questions and i will happily start reading them on the podcast i'm gonna start reaching out and doing that a little bit more now that i have more followers and i can actually get some questions so appreciate everyone thanks as always for listening and watching have a great day we'll talk to you again soon bye-bye